Welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we will discuss how to defer taxes on the sale of your property, earning passive real estate income, and everything you need to know to go from active investor to passive investor. Join us as we interview passive investment sponsors, explore the journey of other retiring real estate investors, and share our due diligence process we perform to select passive investments. Investment advisory services provided by Insight Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is only intended for clients and interested investors residing in the states in which we are registered to provide investment advisory services or exempt from registration. Please contact us to determine if the firm provides investment advisory services in the state where you reside. All content on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Material presented is believed to be reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. Insight Investment Advisors LLC and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing herein should be construed as such. Always consult with your tax advisor or attorney regarding your specific circumstances. So welcome again to the Retired and Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Bruckman, joined by your host, Josh Wright. Josh, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. So I called um, a bit of a timeout from our regular schedule um, as I was experiencing some really great content happening in real time with one of our prospective clients. And so I wanted to bring you on, Josh, so we could talk about it a little bit. We've spent, let me set it up. So we spend, I think, a lot of time answering the basic questions about what's a 1031? What are the rules? What's a DST? What are the rules? What's the structure? What's the benefits? What's the negatives? I don't think anyone's spending a ton of time. Like, how do you think about attacking this from the client perspective? Like if I'm a client day one, I don't know what any of these things are. Where do I start? And this was inspired by talking to one of our prospective clients and getting to the end of our process and him saying to me, I'm exhausted, dude, of going through this. And learning all these things so quickly and all the decisions that I've had to sort of make. And we kind of sat back and kind of hashed that out a little bit and went, yeah, there's there's a lot of decisions here to make. So let's do this. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start from day one. And Josh, I'm going to ask you, you're a new, brand new client. You have no idea what any of this stuff is. You've got an appreciated building. You know that you've already made the decision to sell. So we'll skip that decision. But that in and of itself is a choice. But you've already made the decision to sell. Now you're thinking about what to do. Where should prospective clients start in thinking about this process? Well, so this whole discussion's basically a holistic financial planning discussion, right? Ultimately, um, if they've already made the decision to sell, I think the first question is, have you talked to your CPA or accountant and figured out what your tax would be if you just sell it, cash out outright? You know, we always talk about 1031 exchange, which is a great tool, but if you can cash out and pay little tax, why not do it? You know, I mean, at that point, it's, life's a lot simpler and you get a lot more kind of flexibility, if you will, with that cash to do what you want. You know, as far as what you should do, that's a different discussion, but that's where I would start. Um, and we were just talking before we went on air about how probably three quarters of the clients I talked to have not actually asked their CPA that question, which is funny to me. You know, I think you get you get a lot of people in the real estate business who have been in it so long and they've 1031 exchange for so many years that it's just kind of automatic. And I still think that's a great tool, obviously. Um, spend all day 
doing it for clients, but you still got to have that discussion. And that's where I would start with your CPA or your tax person. You'd be surprised at the folks that have skipped that conversation and we kind of go back and there are net operating loss carry forwards, maybe in their business that could have been used against some of these gains. And it could have made the situation a little bit different in a vacuum. Yes, of course. And, and we find ourselves going through that process again in a vacuum on that building using various online capital gains estimators, things of that nature. It usually tells you there's a big tax bill there, but no idea what your holistic tax situation is. I don't know. I'm not a CPA, neither is Josh, definitely not your CPA. Gosh, just <laughs> go have, have that conversation um, and, and knock that part of the box. All right, so that's number one. Absolutely go talk to your CPA. So, all right, let's imagine I went and did that. And in most cases, I've got a big tax bill. What's next? Well, the next step would be if 1031 exchange makes sense, figuring out what the needs and goals are for this money once you sell the property. You know, so we, I think a lot of real estate people get very hyper-focused on finding the deal, the best deal, the right deal, or the right combination of deals. We have to think about this from a higher level and say, okay, if we're going to exchange this sale proceeds to a number of deals, well, what is the net goal of that? What do we need to to give you? Is it simply income as the focus? Is it you know appreciation as the focus? Is it this is money that's going to represent a retirement down the road, but not today? Is this money that you need the literal cash flow to start next month so you can live? You know, we need to just figure out what those goals are. So I would say, again, this is a financial planning discussion. We we have a talk about what does the rest of your financial picture look like? Um, you know, what kind of cash flows? What kind of income? What kind of other assets do you have? What kind of investments do you have? What does the rest of your property look like that you may own? And from there, then we can begin to build a proposal that might actually fit, you know, whatever those needs are. I'll add on. So you talked a lot about, the economics and sort of a financial planning conversation, there's a qualitative component here about what do you want to do with your life and how yep. much. And so that's making a decision between active versus passive. And I watch people struggle with this um, in person and they haven't really sat down to think about it at all about what it is that they want to do. And we're having conversations with you. And when you're going through this exchange, this is a five to 10 year conversation with this money. Um, because that's usually what we're talking about from the passive Delaware statutory trust perspective as a hold period. And so that, that's my question for clients is, hey, what does the next five, 10 years of your life look like? How much time will you be spending on this property if you bought it outright and active and were the manager of that property? What does that time look like? If you give you that time back, what are you going to do with it? And so these become, <laughs> I watched gears turn hard to thinking, wow, I really haven't thought of it that way. I haven't thought about trying to make that decision at all. So it's an interesting kind of conversation folks to have. We definitely have clients, like you said, Josh, that are micro-focused on the deal and the best deal. What kind of deal can I get? And then they spend less time sort of thinking about some of those qualitative factors um, that might more influence their decision or decision-making. All right. So that's imagine. Wait, I'm going to yeah. add one more thing to that too. Yes. Um, the 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 person's spouse so i had some clients and new clients in yesterday yep. i had that exact discussion with them before we even talked about 1031 exchange 
I asked them if they had talked to their CPA. They had. They decided 1031 was the best next step. But then I asked them, what are your plans for the next 10 years? What, you know, what do you want to see happen? And I got two completely different answers yeah. from the spouses. And it it sparked this whole discussion, frankly, between them in front of me, <laughs> which was very eye-opening. Uh, and it actually kind of helped direct the conversation as far as talking about proposals going forward, because they they kind of had to come together as to what those goals were. So I think it's important. Oftentimes we might see just one of those two parts of the family unit when we're having these discussions because it's a quote unquote real estate discussion when in reality it's a it's a family discussion, it's a financial plan discussion, it's a you know, a whole financial picture discussion. Uh yep. <laughs> Part-time marriage counselor, Joshua Wright. Uh, oh yeah. Come, it's interesting. Come lay on the couch behind you and tell tell them all the things that you fear and all your desires and things you want. Yeah, it's interesting I had um I had a prospective client in a few weeks ago and was very blunt and then said, I want to keep buying stuff and I want to keep playing the game was, was his words. And my wife doesn't, she doesn't want me to do that anymore. And so I'm like, hey, man, you need to bring her in. We need to have, y'all need to hash this out and figure out what you want to do. And, and it went way beyond, it's just so far beyond economics. And we usually find, I usually find, I don't know if you agree, Josh, that becomes the driving decision about what to do becomes qualitative, not economic and quantitative. Same for you in your qualitative. Qualitative is so much more powerful, so much more powerful. I mean, these prospective clients I had in, I actually had the discussion beyond what they wanted. We had a discussion of what were they most concerned about? Those two things were completely opposite as well. I mean, they were opposite on basically everything. So <laughs> Like, you know, to come to some kind of a proposal for you guys, I need, you know, I kind of, again, I had to force them yeah. to the middle to get to some kind of agreed upon place we're targeting. It's, you know, it's from a financial planning standpoint, it's what is that target? We're all agreeing. We're trying to move towards. We got to have that. It's hard for us to make a proposal if we don't know what that is. How, how can we give the best advice? And it's the scary thing for, I think, for most real estate centric folks to talk about financial planning conversation. Oh gosh, Josh, that's the last thing that, that I wanted to do. That sounds horrible to sort of think about, but we're really not talking about a full blown drawn out hundred page documented plan of stuff. We're not talking about that. Are we? No, we're talking about some basic goals, basic goals, you know, and it could be super simple. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be complex. We just have to all know where we're trying to go, period. That's it. Um, and if you haven't thought about it, you need to think about it. Because if you're going passive, you're losing control. You know, if, if, you, if you're managing an own and manage a property on your own, well, you get to make the call, good or bad. Once you go passive, you're giving up control. You're, you're paying someone else to do that for you. So you need to think about you know, what do I want the future to look like over the next 10 years? And we make sure that whatever you are doing is the appropriate next step. All Just right. My head hurts already. So I have, Yeah. <laughs> but we're only about halfway there, right? Thinking about this. So it is a lot. It's a lot to sort of think your way through. All right. So now I've, let's imagine I've made the decision. I said, okay, me, my spouse, we've actually gotten on the same page and we're, we want to go passive. Now, 
Josh, what is this Delaware statutory trust thing? Now I got to go through and figure out what is this thing I've never heard of that I can use as a replacement property. How should clients approach that? We've watched, I've watched various different approaches here. And I think we encourage the same sort of approach. We have very different people. Talk to me about what you, what you see there once we've made the choice to go pass it. Oh man. Well, uh, how <laughs> that's a complicated one. <laughs> how, how we communicate it is driven a lot by the personality of the client. Frankly, um, I always jokingly say, uh, you know, the, the key to financial planning is understanding a person's personality and then getting them you know, structuring their world in a way that they can make the best steps for them just automatic. They don't have to think about it so much. Um, I am naturally an analytical person, so I have to turn down my analytical brain and stop telling you about the detail and sometimes focus it back towards how this thing will actually meet your goals. But, you know, we've got a whole podcast on what a DST is, but I will often take that whole podcast discussion and I will trim that thing down and tell somebody within 60 seconds what a DST is at its highest level and make sure that they understand how that structure, how that passive piece of real estate and that structure will help them meet whatever that goal was we just determined is. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, then we can get into detail as much as they want to after that. I always tell clients, you know, we're going to talk about how we as insight approach these things for a client, how we look at them. And we're going to make it very simple. Once we lay that out, then we'll let the client kind of dictate where we need to go from there based on their personality. But I'm going to shape that discussion based on them. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I think there's a basic. I'll add and build on that. Yeah. I think there's a basic standard set of research and information that all clients have to do. For example, they have to read PPMs as painful as that sounds will help guide them through doing that process, but you got to do it. So that's, that's a pain point. You, you have to think about the differences and understand the differences between current cash flow and estimated total returns on the property. You have to understand what a cap rate is and how to start to think about that. It's surprising to me a bit. We watch very, very successful real estate investors not walk through the financials and quantify the value of a deal. Maybe this is the way that I would kind of expect them to. Not a criticism because they're very successful at working the niche or area that they found and they get what works they know what makes money and they take action and that's that to me is the big, biggest way to as a side note if you really want to grow your wealth take massive action as opposed to staying around like a spreadsheet jockey maybe maybe like we do but it's not but at some point i need you i need you as a client to understand the differences between these things so that we can get to exactly what you described josh is to where your goals are and where you're going these metrics are going to drive that the structure, the risk and the return patterns associated with these investments are going to drive that. Got to get you to understand that. And for some, I, people love, I love those highlights. Those I, I hit those same highlights, but I love those highlights because, you know, clients fall in or prospective clients fall into two camps. You've got your, your super nerds that want to dive deep. And sometimes that's a problem. And then you've got those, that they're like, yeah, 
it's a self storage deal. I love self storage. Let's go with that one. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, hey, <laughs> you got to know, you got to know what, <laughs> what you're investing in. I always tell clients, I, I love the trust that we're building here, but you got to have a semblance of an idea of what's happening with your money. And, and I completely agree with you. I've, I've gone so far as to tell clients, not only do they need to read the PPM, but when they refuse to read the PPM, I then tell them at the very least, you need to look at these pages of the PPM that are the most important parts. And we need to have a discussion about those, you know, particularly starting with fees. Um, mm -hmm. We talk about fees and those deals and then following suit with the same stuff that you just talked about. I completely agree with that. And we will entertain your, if you want to go full, it's my full geek mode. If you're watching this is pressing the nerd glasses. If you want to go full geek mode, we'll cater to that. Absolutely. However, because we one we think it's fun. Two, however, there's a point of 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 diminishing returns here where it just goes too far, right? Where is this the way you want to really want to spend your time? Welcome to go all the way because we'll we'll come with you. I'm more, I'm more concerned about folks that um, are making shooting from the hip type decisions here makes me more nervous. I, I, I just got I got to push again. Again, expectations, expectations, you know, it, it's like somebody telling you, just go make me money. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, <laughs> it might mean one thing to me and something completely different to you. Well, the same thing applies to real estate. I mean, you know, if, if they don't do due diligence or they're not at least willing to walk through due diligence with us, their expectation from that investment or that property, that deal might be completely different than reality. Um, and that's going to reflect poorly on them and us down the road. Um, yeah, it's just important. They've got to do it, at least on a, on, a, on a minimal level. The overarching piece that we've missed in this entire conversation the client really needs to take hold of is the process of selling, performing a 1031, and then executing the executing and finishing a 1031. Can you just talk about that overarching process? It's sort of happening. I don't want to say in the background when we're having these conversations, but sort of happy in the background, but it's so critical. If not done right, we can't have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I always talk to clients about um, the exit as a risk point in a DST, you know, there's, we've got a whole another podcast on our due diligence and how much we talk to sponsors about their exit strategy. Um, you know, if, if, if you tell a client the deal goes an average of seven to 10 years, they've now pegged their mind to some future date about what's going to happen at some future date. And, you know, we, we, I have those conversations with clients and I'm sure you do as well about what's going to happen at the back end, both, if if and when things sell and what the next step is going to be and the next conversation is going to be, but also the risks that exist if the exit can't happen when the sponsor thinks it's going to happen. You you have that conversation a lot with clients? Um, 100%. Um, the questions that clients ask about DSTs are economics, one, two, debt, three, where is it? What vertical is it in? Four, how long is this going to last? Five, do I have liquidity? Why don't I have liquidity? Six, 
you know, how much, how much ultimately, you know, how much, um, am I going to lose money? Like they asked, it's the same question. <laughs> number. My question is more referring to as, as we're going through this process and thinking about should I DST or not? What's a DST? What research I should do? There is a sale going on in the background that the client has to, has to worry about. They're selling their property and then they have to perform the 1031 properly. And so then the mechanics of that, if it's somebody who doesn't do this very often, that in and of itself is something for them to sort of think about of going through those mechanics of how many clients do we say, hey, do you have a qualified intermediary? And they go, what's that? And you're like, uh-oh. Right. Mm -hmm. so it's some of those steps that I was more referring to that um, I think requires, it still requires a ton of thought for them to kind of think their way through. Oh, okay. Like, all right. And I got to find this Q QI. Where, where do I find this person? Insight. Can you just do that for us? How many, <laughs> I don't know how many times you've been asked if you could, if you could quarterback and qualify intermediary, some of these exchanges, I probably get asked that once a week. I'm like, no, we don't do that. So it's, mm -hmm even that question that we get from clients is like, okay, we have to spend some time going through the mechanics of the process of just doing a 1031. Yeah. You know, I ran into that, did a presentation last week for a large group. And the first question I got was, am I a QI? And I, my, my thought was, well, have you, did you just see the presentation? You know, <laughs> we didn't talk about being a QI, but yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> Sometimes we make assumptions that real estate investors have all done 1031s many times and they know that process. Some even have, and they don't even know, they don't even remember the term qualified intermediary. Um, yep. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, that conversation comes up with my clients all the time. Um, and we walk them through, we, you know, first of all, we can make a QI referral. Absolutely. Um, but then we definitely have to quarterback the process with the QI and with the client to make sure that everything is qualified. Um, that comes up all the time. I also find I'll, I'll add on to that that clients have misconception about the rules of the 1031. Everybody seems to think they know 1031 exchange and it's simple, but then they'll throw out a comment to me and I'm like, whoa, 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 like that could blow up your exchange. That that's not accurate. You know, we have to backpedal a little bit again. Going back to really getting to know the client, getting to know the situation, then as we begin to make recommendations, we've got to set it up. The QI is part of that setup as to what has to happen and the mechanics of that 1031. All of that plays into what their expectation is. And, and to go back to your earlier question, you know, when that property sells seven, eight, nine, 10 years down the road, whenever it is, or that DST, we're going to have to repeat this process. Yep. You're going to have to do it again. And if you've made money, it's an even larger process than it was the time before. It could be more complex. You know, um, I had a client who came out of a, well, actually I had two DSTs that sold in the last two months with really healthy profits, fortunately, and large enough that we were now splitting what was one deal now into two deals because they'd made so much money, which is a great problem. But when you add that on to all the other exchanges in real estate we're doing for them, yeah, you know, it, it gets to be a large, complex thing. So, yeah, I mean, they have to think about it. I've had actually now this is kind of making me think about I've had twice clients in the last month bring up to me. Well, maybe I'll do a 1031 now. But when that DST sells, then maybe I'll cash out. And I'm thinking, well, 
you've already determined now that your tax bill is huge. <laughs> and if, if we end up, you know, if the DST performs really well, your tax bill is only going to be larger, again, goes to getting underneath really uh, underneath what is a DST and, and the deal talking wider about what, what is the goal here? You know, why do you want to cash out 10 years from now? Yeah, for what? You have to pay even more tax. That doesn't make any sense. You know, we need to have a discussion about what your goals really are um, and expectations really are. Fascinating. Inside, it's an interesting one, right? Yeah, Inside Investment Advisors. I got a couple of taglines out of there. Inside Investment Advisors, solvers of great problems. Also, <laughs> great also, people. Mm-hmm. So great people. Also, not <laughs> trying to lose money. So if you're trying to cash out after the investment, um goal here isn't isn't to lose money so it's not going to be easier 10 more years now. tax goal is not to pay more tax yeah not not trying to make sure that uh not, not trying to write huge checks to uncle sam pick a tagline that makes sense so i i hope this is exposing like there's so i'm from someone who's you're doing it every day i'm doing this every day i don't think i don't think i've appreciated how much clients need to learn and how much they need to manage going through this process. We talk about this making your life easier. It's not today though. <laughs> it's none of the 1031 exchange, this process and getting past getting too passive is easier. After we're passive, yeah, like closing after T1 plus one from closing DST feels pretty easier. Yes, that will get there. It's not through this process though. This is gonna be, this is painful. We're here to help. There's a lot to learn. It is complicated. Lean on us though, because we do do this every single day. So we're gonna take you through the quantitative. I hope you understand those economics. We're gonna take you through the qualitative. We're gonna help you think about this a bit and what to do. And then technically from a process perspective, we're gonna make sure that you're doing it right. All right, so we can work hand in hand. You mentioned the QI referrals. We can do that. We can walk you through step by step. We can quarterback this whole thing. It's part of what I don't know if you're saying this to folks. Uh, when I when I talk to folks, I'm like, we have two roles here. It's one quarterback this thing, right? Let us let us be in charge to help you think through this. Let us quarterback with your QI. And then our second job is to to help you make DST selections and to do this due diligence. Those are our jobs to sort of mm-hmm. sort of do this. So let's that's why we're here. Like lean on us hard to kind of do those things and we'll help you do it. This, but it's still know, this, a lot. The whole discussion here really again speaks back to why we approach this the way we did. You know, when we started to build this business out, we found a lot of transactional people in this space. You know, as you know, my background was as an investment advisor, financial planner, and I kept looking at this entire process saying there's 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 a whole process here there needs to be a planning discussion a whole planning process it is not just me selling you something mm-hmm. and that's why we do this the way that we do it you know that this whole podcast was a great description of why we do it the way we do it you know we're 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 acting as an advisor a consultant through this role and we we have to play that that uh, that planner role through the whole thing. I don't, you know, I could sell you something. Well, actually, legally, I can't because that's not the capacity we work in. We work as fee based advisors in this capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but that's why this is so important that you work with somebody who takes you through this process. They don't just sell you a deal um, because it may or may not be the right thing. Um, not to disparage others, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say it because I'm going to say it because they're words. So some of our largest competitors have, and I quote, said, we don't do financial planning, end quote. Okay, cool. If you've listened to the podcast up until this point, you, you tell me what support you'd like through this. Do you want someone to sell you something or do you want someone to walk you through what is a very complicated and complex process? And if you don't do it right, you're going to owe tax. You decide which which one which one do you want? <laughs> Make a choice. Uh, Time out. Oh, I've, I lost Josh, and Josh is gone. <laughs> oh boy! Just for the podcast. Oh, oh look at people! The people who are not watching video are missing this pug action. No, no, bring that back. Who is this? My God! Pause the podcast. <laughs> no way, man. We'll just edit it out. What am, what am I editing it out? She just vomited all over the place. <laughs> Paul, are you here? <laughs> no way! No way! I'm stopping this. No chance. Uh, we gotta stop it, dude. I gotta go get some some spray. All right, all right. We'll we'll pick it up. I'll just leave it here and we'll have him cut it out, though. I don't want to stop and restart because it'll save. We gotta wrap. <laughs> Can you still wrap it up? God! Oh my God! You should see what's on the floor here. Game the camera down. This is classic. Oh, I'm just, is, is it bad? Is it gross? Are you going to be sick? Oh, my God, dude. There's like food in there. Gross. <laughs> no, I'll pass. She <laughs> was, was scratching at my door in such a way that I was like, yeah, something's wrong. Well, then now, oh, my God, don't do it anymore. Oh, okay. oh all right, dude, I got to go. Let's finish this up. All right. All right. We'll wrap. Um, Where do I go from here? What the hell are we talking about? planning i don't know um all right let me let's do this all right back into semi-character um josh has been an awesome conversation i think we need to have some more marketing material around this simple checklist for people so we're going to work on that but this has been awesome just to help our clients understand uh that there's a lot here and you need help we're here to help you we'll walk you through this process um try not to stress too much but it is a lot, but we'll take you through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give us a call. We would love to help you. We'd love to work with you. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Josh, thanks for coming on. Until next time, take care, everyone. See you.